1: That man is on crack.
0: When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slaps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have
1: been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption, where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The different knock podcast.
0: Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. You want me? I want you, baby. My sugar boo. I'm levitating. No Milky Way? We're renegading? Yeah. 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 Welcome back to the Sean Deitch uh, Burnley podcast. A yeah. uh, light high and look at Burnley with uh, Sean Deitch and my very good friend, Dutch Sean. <laughs> that really hurts. Yeah.
1: Jesus. Does he smoke? He's got to. He's got to be like a fat smoker. Uh,
0: He's not fat, thank you. Welcome back to the (laughs) Different Podcast. (laughs) What a chaotic intro. Welcome Welcome back to the Different Podcast. Thank you for coming. How's it going? Uh, We are here. It's a Sunday evening. Uh, Spurs have just been beaten roundly and soundly. That's not a phrase. Uh, Arsenal won. What a great weekend. How are you, Brad? I'm great, mate. I'm great. Should we start should we start off with me confessing
1: my love for Aaron Ramsdale now again? <sighs> he's my favorite. I think he's pretty much my favorite player at Arsenal at the moment other than Saka.
0: Aaron Ramsdale is the only goalkeeper to play in the Premier League this season without conceding a goal. It took Bernd Leno 16 appearances to register his uh, second clean sheet in the Premier League. Took 2 in 2 for Ramsdale. Uh he's the second coming of Christ. Um because remember, every game is a referendum on every player and all narratives, which can switch yep. on on the on the kick of a boot. So we've got to we got to remember that. Um, uh, he's the new David Seaman. You know the next what Manuel Almunia? No, he's not. He's not that bad. He was very good yesterday. Let's put it that way. He was very very yeah. good. He was very very, very good. Very good. Uh, Arsenal one, Burnley 0 at Turf Moor. Um. Yeah. Let's just. Let's just jump into it, Brad. Uh, Word of the game for me, if you wouldn't mind me going first, is expression. On that Aaron Ramsdale hype, I I think expression and expressing ourselves and how we move forward, I think building on this result is going to take us doing more of what we did and expressing ourselves moving forward and expressing ourselves in the same way that we did. The good parts Mm. of our game where we expressed ourselves at the back fighting for one another communicating that defensive identity that defensive solidity which is forming is solid is secure is allowing a platform for us to move forward i think is the exact same expression that we need to put into our uh, final attacking third like uh, you know there's a brilliant video which uh, classic uh, me recommending a video of Thierry Henry talking about Pep Guardiola which we 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 discussed on whatsapp uh, talking about Pep Guardiola. And basically, what Pep does is he, you know, his game's changed. He's gone to a more sort of, sort of positional play type stuff as opposed to sort of tiki taka, which he did with Barcelona. But the basic principles remain the same. Pep will get you to that final third. And then it's about the ingenuity and the skill and the and the verve of the attacking players. And obviously, he's been blessed with some incredible players Messi, oh. um, Braithwaite, etc. Well, uh So, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know about Braithwaite, that's stupid. Uh, yeah, and I would love to see, and I think the the big problem and, the, and my main problem with um, with this game, which we'll get into, was the lack of expression on a final third. I thought we were um, missing a final pass. I thought we were um, weak, overhitting things, not cute enough. Yes you can put in some sort of Burnley they the grass was too long the the I don't know you could fucking make any any excuses up but ultimately I don't think we did enough in that final third because we do know it's been raining it it have been raining it had been raining it's raining for both teams Uh so yeah I just think um yeah before uh, sort of overall thoughts I think expression um was my favorite part of that and what we can build on like yeah. I loved I loved seeing what we saw uh, in terms of that backline performance and I think that can that can translate further on the pitch. Absolutely. And th- I think the thing is, talking about your word as well, because mine is slightly different,
1: um, is I think we express, uh, expressed ourselves at the front line. There was just a hell of a lot of wrong decisions made. You know, wrong passes selected, wrong shots taken. Um, you know, I mean, one of the telltale things of this for me was... Erdegaard slips a lovely ball down the left channel, which Tini has the opportunity to whip in, and Saka basically takes the ball and he's offside and so automatically just ruins the whole pattern of play. And I think that was the main um detractor for me of this performance is the constant poor decisions from a lot of players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh which is a good thing. It's a good thing to be able to say the biggest thing that went wrong was players were making the wrong final pass or were, you know, rather than... I mean, it's a good thing in comparison to what we've had to deal with recently as Arsenal fans. Uh, But my word of the game is unrecognisable because that sort of physical dominant performance is unrecognisable from an Arsenal squad probably in most of my lifetime Burnley have always been a bogey team for us in a lot of ways because they're such a physically dominant side and we have often had teams that really aren't but to highlight the talent idea at the club Ramsdale claiming those crosses already puts us in a better situation than having Leno flap the ball into his own goal and makes our back line way more secure and comfortable. Things like Takahiro Tomiyasu, he had 100% of his aerial duels won. Do you know how hard that is against Burnley, where they basically just have nine seven-foot men on the pitch and play ping-pong with the ball? Like, that is ridiculous. You're crab
0: good. and Goyle up front with fucking yeah, wooden and
1: bones. Ben White, again, um, somebody who was battered in the media for, for doing really poorly in the air against Tony, had a great physical performance, I felt, other than obviously the few lapses in concentration and mistakes that he did make that luckily didn't cost us. Um. I, And Gabriel, a a monstrous performance. It was unrecognisable from from an Arsenal standpoint. Mm, mm. And some, you know, some also really clever moments of of fouling. You know, one thing I will never stand for is rotational fouling of a certain player. But cynical fouls or um, tactical fouls are a big part of the game. And there's one that I remember. I don't know who it is. They're coming down the right channel. And I think it's Tavares that's out of position. So Saka just fouls him, the, the player carrying the ball. It's not a yellow card. It, it's a foul, absolutely. But it just allows us to reset. And it, it's intelligent. Mm. It's really intelligent yeah. play. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was so, for me, I think unrecognisable is a great word because definitely the back line were absolute warriors in definitely, that game. Definitely, mate. And I'm, I'm so proud of the boys.
0: Yeah, it it represents a huge step forward in many, many ways. It's one game, of course, but that's the game we're analysing. And I think putting it into context, you know, I I said in the different instant reaction, which goes up on the YouTube channel, I said, you know, this is not, I'm not going to say this is the sort of game that we would have lost last year or a year ago because it's uh, a, it's a they took four points from us last year, mate. They beat us and we drew. They literally, (laughs) maybe it would have been, they literally took four points from us. We got a point from Burnley. Yeah, so we literally did lose. But um, more to the point, that, you know, I think Arsenal have kind of lost an identity, lost the fighting spirit for a while. And I think those mm. kind of intangibles really, really do. In a game of, it's football's it a simple game. It's a game of duels, and it's you know, yes, you can have to get the tactics, tactics right. Yes, you can, you know, be out absolutely outclass people. But ultimately, if you're going to run faster than someone, you're probably going to get a chance. And if you put that away, it's one nil, and you go home happy, three points, everything changes, narrative shift. I think with this. You know, this really represents a step forward to me, or hopefully the start of a huge step forward and the start of a change. Uh, not only in the kind of um, the mentalities of the people we have at the back. You picked up on the talent idea, which I agree with, and like people like Tommy Asu Ramsdale coming in, that's going to change the identity of this team, and it is changing the identity of this team. But also changing, hopefully, long term, if we're looking sort of you know into the future a little bit more, the kind of vision of Arsenal, of what Arsenal are. You know, when we got beaten at Brentford, uh, all that analysis that you mentioned about Ben White, you know, it was about Arsenal being spineless and flaky. And, you know, that's a very Arsenal thing. You remember that throw in uh, for the goal, you know, Leno being pushed off. It's one game but it represents to me a kind of arsenal identity that's been formed throughout the 2010s late venger through all that confusion around emery when arteta come, comes in and i think with just a few players the likes of gabriel T, you know that back five at the age they are to me represents such an opportunity for us and you know it's mm-hmm. it's one game let's let's hold our horses a little bit but i do feel really strongly that what we saw there feels like a step forward in the right direction and something that we can definitely build on.
1: Yeah, and there's one thing to mention. It is one game, but going back to Brentford versus this game, there's two big differences. Uh, Leno and Tommy Tomiyasu. Uh, not Leno, sorry. Ramsdale and Tommy Asu. forget your Adding boy's name. Come on. Yeah, mate. I love him so much. <laughs> like, I actually love him. Like, I, I will now defend that. But I don't care. Like, he, number one for me until the end of the season. I, and I think there's something to come on to later about that. But, um, yeah, two big, big differences is we've added Tomiyasu, very physical presence, great in the air, very dominant, which we did not have at right back. We we barely had a tackler at right back, let alone somebody who could jump for a ball And then also adding in not only a keeper who is very physically dominant and also dominant in the air, like claiming crosses and things like that, but also very vocal. There's uh, a moment that almost directly, kind of, um, directly copies, copies isn't the right word, but it's the only one I can think of the Xhaka moment with Chris Wood, where Xhaka kicks the ball into Chris Wood. And there's two still images. One and it's, it's uh, Ramsdale and Party, and it's Leno and Xhaka. And if you look at the positioning of the two keepers, Ramsdale picks up the ball in a much better place to then distribute it back out. And then when he distributes it, Ramsdale is pointing for Party where to pass it and shouting at him that he's got a man on. Leno is stood there doing nothing. Just that level of communication saves so many just needless dropped points yep, over the, over so. the course of the season. I can't I can't reckon like even it boggles my brain the amount of times where we've gone if literally somebody had just shouted keepers mm. or like that things would be like a goal wouldn't have happened or something would be different. But adding those two players in just has has changed our fortunes thus far currently. I mean, yep. there's a conversation to still be had about the creative side of things. Definitely. Defensively, we, we are much better. I'm obviously going to caveat that with we've played Norwich and Burnley rather than City, Chelsea uh, and such. But what I am confident in is even if we'd have lost to City and lost to Chelsea with Ramsdale and Tommy Asu in, it would have nowhere near been as bad as the defeats that we that we no, did. No,
0: kind of. Uh, well, that we were on the receiving end of. No, and and look, you know, I, I I looked at the lineup before the game yesterday, and then went back to the Brentford game to to compare, and there were seven changes. The goalkeeper changed. The I think two out of the, the back line changed. Um, the midfield was completely different uh, and the, obviously the forward line was, was different as well. That's how changes work. Um, but the, <laughs> but like, you know, it's a, it's a whole different team and you can't remove emotions from football. You can't do it. You know, as much as we all want to be obje- objective, objective as, as much as possible, it, we should strive for it, but you can't, it's an emotion based game. And we feel mm. as a, as a team and as a club, even after two results, very, very different. And I feel very positive moving forward. We're we're going to struggle. We're going to have bumps in the road. But what I do feel confident in is a platform and a structure that I haven't felt confident in before. Watching Spurs this afternoon really crystallized something in my mind. They're a club that rely on individual brilliance. They have no ball progression. They have players who don't feel like a cohesive or part of a cohesive idea. Now, they're at the start of, you know, they just got Paratici and Nuno. You've got to give them time. But it reminded me of something that in our, I now see in Arsenal, which is a group of people that we're bringing in who are ball progressors, who are winners, who are leaders, who are people who will not be bullied, and that's the results that you get. And looking the people you know, that will dominate now, possession, absolutely. And and you know, Arteta is trying to implement this positional play, juego de posicion again great video on the Athletic go go watch it I think it's the most important thing an Arsenal fan can watch this year what is positional play this is what Arteta is trying to put in and you need ball progressors to make those uh, qualitative quantitative uh, superiorities which we talk about look you know and wait,
1: wait, on Spurs as well one thing that you have to give credit for look the talent ID I think is in abs- is a 6 or a 7 out of 10 at the moment because there are some honkers in there Willian is is a saying that we need removed from the club in the sense of like, we need an absolutely wilding, like blinding transfer, which I think, you know, this the <laughs> sounds weird, but the signing of Ramsdale has the opportunity to be, he's like 20 something years old and he's already looking like he's taking the number one Um, to kind of even that out. If you look at our squad, there is a clear plan of how we want to play football. We want to dominate the ball, dominate possession, create high-volume opportunities through clever passages of play. Spurs have gone from Mourinho, a very defensive coach, to Nuno, again, a very defensive coach. But if you look at the talent that they're bringing in, they're bringing in talent to play a different kind of way. At least, like you say, we have a platform to build off. And whether Arteta is the man to build off of that, Who knows at this point, but at least he will leave a better
0: platform than yep. he came into. And, and I think that it, is a big positive. Definitely. And I think it, I think you're so right to use the word platform because it is the defense and he's built that, you know, that those are the signings he's brought in, in first. We're seeing the fruits of that. Now we're seeing the identity. We're going to have bumps in the road. We're going to lose games, but I do feel a strong identity forming in that back five and that front two, uh, the, the sort of the pivot or the double pivot. And moving forward, I think there's a lot to build on. Okay. Let's get into the brass tacks of the game then. Um, let's do it. So I thought the setup was interesting. Um Erdegaard sort of shifting into that granite xhaka type role in the early early stages. I think having a sort of ball heavy, um pressy attacking midfielder as one of the two eights sort of um complimenting Smith-Rowe is, 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 a, is a nice dynamic with Parties the pivot, uh, sort of mopping that up. Um, I like that. I think it's not going to work in every game, but I think it's, it's a really interesting, it's an interesting option. I think it allowed Saka to drop more centrally, which is where I like him. Um, I think Saka's got I think Saka could fucking play in goal, goal, mate. But like you know, he I think he he can basically play anywhere. But I do like him in the middle. I think he does a lot of good work in the middle. Um, yeah, it was interesting. It was an interesting setup. And uh, I think what's nice, uh, you know, some people called it a diamond. Some people called it a four three three. Whatever. I don't. I don't think formations particularly interesting to discuss. I do think roles are. And where can you put players and what sort of positions are they picking the ball up in? Where are they most effective and can we get them in those positions? And I think for the likes of Party, he was in that position. He was in the middle controlling the game. Erdogan was able to drop, which he loves doing, coming to feet, getting the ball turning, doing that. Smith-Rowe was able to do his shuttle runs up and down and across the pitch. Saka able to pick it up turn on the half turn. There was a lot of players in that midfield who were able to do what they're good at. And I think Mm. uh, I was really impressed. The the uh, sort of early on, I could really see a plan in terms of uh, our compactness. When Pope, it was Pope in them. Yeah, it was the Pope in their goal. Mm. Um, I love their squad numbers, by the way. They've only got one out. Is it so nice? Eighteen in the middle, uh, isn't it? It's one out. Oh, why? It's just eighteen in the middle. They they fielded a one to eleven a couple of weeks ago. It was unbelievable. Oh, my little nerd brain. when Pope was hitting it long and when they were getting long balls I could see a really oh my god they've got Aaron Leonard in their squad he's still alive (laughs) Um, fucking hell the yeah uh, Pope was hitting it long and for those second balls I could see a really compact tight unit and our players were really close together to pick up those second balls and again it's just really pleasing as a fan to feel like oh there's a plan here and that plan can go wrong but I think sometimes watching Arsenal over a period of time when they don't have the right players, when, when situations are, you know, when we're in flux, when we're in transition, when we don't have the confidence, whatever, when it feels like there's a plan we're going through with it, it feels really good. And I, and I, and I felt at the beginning confident about it. Um, it's also nice, uh, just focusing on Tomiyasu. Yasu, um, you know, we'll, we'll come to Ramsdale's impact more specifically in a minute, but, um, you know, what else has changed? Tommy Asu, his uh, ability at the near post was really, really useful to head away corners. Um, he's 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 a fantastic player. And I love I love his <sighs> work ethics. Too simple. It's it's attention on the pitch. There's a there's an aura around him of you're not fucking getting past me. He stays on his feet. Great tackling technique. And I think he he's such a good pickup. Um, yeah, mate. For the price as well. Yeah, and and also uh, again before we come to your boy, uh, Gabriel, I thought Gabriel oh. has looked absolutely fantastic. And there was a moment where he he stole the ball off uh, one of Crabbe or Goyle. I can't remember. Um, but he stole well, the ball. Statistically, three tackles, ten clearances, two blocked shots. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 what I love, and again, it's a little bit intangible. Um, I think his his uh, passing is not as bad as everyone, not not bad, but it's not as uh, heralded as may, maybe should be. It's not amazing, but it's he has he has a good ball in him, and he's he's able to fire it into the middle. What I love is he's imposing. He looks more and more imposing every time I see him. And if you look at uh, John Terry, I saw John Terry in Wimbledon. Did I tell you this? Oh, God. <laughs> i didn't say hello what what these guys have it's a i think probably with john terry i don't know the guy but what i what i what i get projected to me is a sense of very high high opinion of himself and a very high self-confidence which fair enough he's john terry but the there's a sort of broad-shouldered open-chested warrior type stance he was just waiting for a taxi but he looked like he looked in charge and I saw it in, in the flesh and I look at Gabrielle and the longer I, I stare at him. <laughs> I came out of my mouth so wrong. The longer I, <laughs> the longer I look at the pictures of Gabrielle on my bedroom wall and the shirtless ones. Um, and <laughs> No, but the longer I look at him, the more imposing and the more l- uh, leadership I feel coming off him. It's what we talk about often with leaders. They don't have to be, a Tierney, a Ramsdale, a vocal one. You can lead in your... Yeah. You can lead in the way you you act. And a, people, the likes of Tommy Asu and the likes of Gabrielle, um, I think do that.
1: Yeah, and do that in a way of... yeah. You need almost a captain and an enforcer in a lot of squads. You need a captain who's able to bring both sides back together and help sort situations out and blah, 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 blah. But an enforcer to, like Gabrielle at points was, like, like... Our boy was shouting at people being like, this is unacceptable. You cannot be leaving us open like this. Blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, I, I just, I mean, statistically, it, it speaks for itself how, how imposed and imposing he was on the game. If Erdegaard doesn't score the goal, Gabriel is probably what would be considered man of the match for me. Yep. Other than maybe Tomiyasu, both of them were sensational
0: yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That that uh coming back to what you said about the goal as well, that you know, there's a great there was a great early chance for Pepe. Um, there was some some really nice touch and move stuff, and we were getting forward around the box. I think I was concerned early on that we felt a little bit too far from goal. We couldn't quite get past their press, but we did start to to sort of break that down towards the end, and then the game kind of changes game state and we go into a bit more flux. Um I also noticed but on the back of what we've been talking about recently, Pepe in a much more central position. He pops up on the left a few times. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't mind, uh, you know, I think, especially with uh, what Arteta's what trying to do with positional players, or to keep banging on about it. But, Pepe, if he can become comfortable in any of the positions across the front three, fantastic. Like, why not? Why not have a drift out to the right and Pepe come central? And I thought he there was a great chance for Pepe, which I really loved. Um, there was sat off him. I thought there might have been a goal uh, goal involvement coming, um, and then we got the free kick. Um, and yeah, I thought it was a fucking great free kick. But my stream is placed stopped. So well. My stream oh, stopped. Mate. I've a rant. To sorry to sorry to slightly go off tan- on a tangent but this is the different Not podcast it's kind of our brand. Why is the 3 p.m. And this is a rhetorical question I don't need an answer. I know the answer it's because they want fast to go to games. Why is the 3 p.m. ban thing on TV still a thing? It's pointless. The premier it's, n- the- it's
1: to do with the it's nothing to do with the Premier League and it's a lot to do with the lower leagues.
0: Ah, oh, but fuck them.
1: <laughs> it's a, it's more to do with uh keeping people available to go to games in the in the football oh, pyramid you know kind what's... of lower than it's it's yeah, it's very much to help the solvency of, of kind of the whole football pyramid so that not everyone is always just watching the three PM kickoff. Do
0: you know what, Brad? It annoyed me so much and the reason I'm laughing now is because I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Did he yeah. So I'm like, you know, no, we, need mate, to, we, need more atten- we need more attention on the lower leagues. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, no, I, I get it. It's just so frustrating. You pay 70 quid a month for internet and Sky and BT and it's fucking not even on TV. This is why, why I illegally stream. No, yes, we this know. Is why you I, love this is style. why
1: I, I, I pay for every single game I, I watch, Alex. <laughs> Don't sue me, offcom.
0: The Different Not Podcast does not does not condone illegal streaming,
1: and the the, the Different Not Podcast also
0: doesn't illegally stream. Definitely not. Yes, it was a, it was a fantastic free kick, um, really well placed. I think there's such a value in having um, a proper free kick taker and someone who has scored a couple of peaches. Now he scored one. For, I think he scored one for Sociedad, which was gorgeous from a bit further out. Um, the angles in that Liga make it always look a bit better. I don't know why, but the uh, the Premier League, um, the the goalie scored uh, yesterday in the Premier League. Martin Odegaard, Arsenal. Where am I? <laughs> Premier League. Odegaard <laughs> scored <am> <laughs> in the league of Premier in England, England, England. against the Burnleys um, was fantastic. And also, you know, considering the conversations that were being had over the summer about madison one of the big things that i liked about madison and um, you know I, I think i wanted odegaard probably i can't really remember but i think i wanted odegaard um was his free kick ability because i think it's such a it's such a danger you know like when United get a penalty it's like okay do you know what i mean like you know fernandez is gonna you know when chelsea get a penalty unless he's facing jordan pickford you know Jorginho is going to finish it and i think having that that kind of, um, just, it's just an extra dimension. It's like having someone who can do long throws or put in a really good corner. It's kind of things you sort of forget about, but they win you points. They win you get, they, li- they literally won us a game yesterday. Um, you know, because we can be frustrated. And I, th- I think those things slightly go under the radar. And I'm really glad that Odegaard got the opportunity, scored the goal, and hopefully can, can build on that. Absolutely. Oh, what a peach. It was fucking good on it. Uh, all right. Fucking hell. Let's talk about. Ramsdale uh, great moment everyone's seen it uh, with with him protecting Tierney as someone comes over I think he's cramping up in the second half uh, I can't remember which Burnley player it is who comes over and tries to get him up I'm sorry wait I, I, it only Kieran Tierney could be fine training
1: in snowy weather in a vest top but be cramping up because it's too warm
0: <laughs> I've never heard anything more Scottish in my life what about Okay, the new... No, don't do it. Stupid. Stupid joke. Irrelevant, pointless. Yeah, look, I think, you know, we kind of touched on it, but, you know, he is... He's really, really changed the dynamic in that back five. I think the communication, when you talk to people who've been to the game, there's an energy off him that we've missed. There was so much uh, opposition to his signing from me, definitely from you, But there was a, there's a sense that, you know, obviously recruitment uh, analysts and the club know more than fans and it's paid off and fair play to the club because they knew spending a lot of money on Ramsdale, considering what's happened, you know, with his relegations and the kind of the... Not a
1: lot of money. Well, in
0: context, yeah, now.
1: It's not a lot of money. And even, even with context, 24 million pounds. If he becomes the number one, I think with certain things, it rises to yep. 30. But let's say he doesn't become the number one and he stays our number two goalkeeper and we sign a NANA in the summer on a free. £24 million for an English backup is not an expensive fee. It no. really isn't, especially when you consider that he's going to be English when we decide to yep. sell him. So we will be able to recoup some of that cost. If And if he becomes the number one, paying £30 million for an English number one goalkeeper... Yep. At 23 is unbelievable yep. business. He, he could be Arsenal's number one keeper
0: for the next 13 years. Yep, definitely. And look, I think, I think my biggest takeaway from Ramsdale, not only in the character, the passion that I absolutely fucking love and I think has been missing from this team for so long, is it's a reminder to fans of what information we have and what information we don't have. And the information we don't have is why clubs are targeting players and we have to be patient and watching Ramsdale put those balls into midfield. I know I keep talking about it, but those zone 14 entries playing those balls into party, his ability to shake his way out of pressure, get those hips moving in a way Leno just can't that confidence, that sort of um, ability to, to, to marshal that back line and to encourage. And, you know, every, uh, there was a, um, a cam from, from Sheffield, where it's like a a behind-closed-doors game against Chelsea. He's constantly speaking. We miss that from Leno, and he's constantly communicating. You don't know, and fans don't know, and I think it's so important to remind ourselves, we don't know what the club are doing. And I feel increasingly confident with this administration, you know, results-dependent, of course, as everything is results-dependent, that they are aware of what the deficiencies are. It's very clear, now that they've signed Ramsdale and we've seen what he can do, and he's done well, and he's we probably had a bit of luck involved, and he you know he's had his opportunities, yes, but it's very clear what he was signed to do, and what we've been missing, and that is a very good pick out from the club. It may all go to shit, and I will eat my words and go. Yeah, Ramsdale was probably the bad wrong signing. You know, he's a bit suspect, whatever. But right now, claims on crosses, it's, we've missed all of this, and I and I and I praise the club for doing that because that is you know we we shit on them when they do shit wrong. And we should praise them when they do it right. Yeah,
1: we've shat on them a lot for what they've done wrong. They deserve credit for, especially when, I mean, it was so obviously publicised how bad uh, most Arsenal fans thought this this signing was going to be. So props to them. They followed through with it, and they've they've I think they've picked out a real gem.
0: Yep. Uh, other English players on the day that I didn't think we're doing very well and. Definite conjecture Claxon here. Warning. Conjecture Do you think ahead. the presence of Southgate has any impact on the likes of White and Smith-Rowe? Because I thought White was fine. I thought he was pinging some nice balls and he's learning to use his body against those kind of more physical um, uh, attackers. And I think I think he, he does fine on those. But Smith-Rowe was wasteful. I thought he was a bit sloppy in possession. I thought he, he struggled a little bit. White and Smith are definitely those sort of players who are on the fringes of England. Do you think that ever has any impact on players? Or am I reading too much into that? Probably. We were having a conversation over text
1: about whether they even would have known. Because I think that if you're Gareth Southgate, whether you go to games every week or not, I don't think you're going to make it widely publicised to the player base who who you're going to watch that weekend. Because you want to... They're going to find out at halftime anyway. But to a degree, you're going to want to see them play their natural game so you can get a real read off of how well they're actually doing. Uh, agents are obviously very good at sussing things out nowadays. But I, I doubt whether they knew he was in during the first half. They obviously would have known that he's there during the second because their agent would have just chucked them a text saying, Southgate's in. Be,
0: you're, not or, looking, you're not looking at your phone half, aren't we? Maybe. I don't know.
1: They might be. I It's yeah, a little sneak. <laughs> Who knows? Um, So I I think it probably will. Pressure gets to people in certain different ways. And look, that is just something Ben White is going to have to learn how to deal with. Because Gareth Southgate watching you against Burnley, a game that Arsenal really should walk, is going to be very different than if on the last day of the season we need a win to secure Champions League football. That's a totally different kind of pressure. And there's, you know, he's, I think it's good that hopefully there's a few things like this that might test that, that level of nerve with him. I'm still a bit nervous about him, if I'm perfectly honest. I think he had a decent performance yesterday, was aerially very, very good and used his body well. There's a, there's a Chris Wood moment where I don't know if it is White that heads it away or whether Wood gets his head to it. But he uses his body just enough and puts enough pressure on the striker. So the striker heads it well over. But like we were saying, it does not matter how good your performance is if you pass the ball back like that. Yeah, and we concede a penalty or a goal from that. Yeah, yeah. Because cool. all of your good work you've undone in those two seconds is this. Yeah. Th- that's the issue we had with David Luiz. Yep, <sighs> David Luiz would have brilliant games and be bossing it, and then give away a stupid penalty, and uh, we'd lose one nil or we would draw one all. Because of those moments. So I still. We're now what? He's played in three games. And we've seen a mistake in. in We've seen a couple of mistakes in in two of those games. So I'm in nowhere near comfortable yet. But the boy's 23. He will grow. He will learn. And hopefully, you know. Um, this isn't a, a pattern or a sign of things to come. Kind of further forward. But It's yeah.
0: I'm still a little bit nervous about it, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's fair. Uh, And we know what gets clipped up and shared on social media and put on match of the day and talked about. Do you know what I mean? Like we understand that these are the moments. People aren't looking at you know a nice pinger out to Tierney on that left hand side, like you know which he keeps playing, and you know they're not looking yet. his ball playing ability is phenomenal. The average fan is not looking at sort of. (laughs) We're not average fans, you know. But like people who don't sort of, we're fucking fanatical. Like I'm obsessed people who, you know, a, a casual football fan who is not an Arsenal fan is not going to notice, oh, Ben White's learning to use his body very well. They're not going to look at that. They're going to see it or Paul pass back, well, 50 million pounds. And there's, th- that's where these narratives come from. And, mm. you know, like I think, I think someone like Ben White, the reason I feel hopeful about it is because he is 23. He's not 33. He's not David Louise. But I do agree with you. There's a There's a concern a little bit there. And while we're on the negatives, you know, we've talked about a fantastic backline performance, and ultimately we we won another game. It's another clean sheet. Um couple of negatives, I think. Also, off the pitch, did you see that Burnley away changing room? Yeah, was that? Is that just because? I've not. I hope that's temporary because that's not okay. Yeah, I sound like a fucking. <laughs> Mama school. It's not okay. It's high level professional. Johnny no, should not, not be swimming level- in someone else's shorts. Like, no, but it's not it's professional no, football. This is high Probably level
1: professional. No, but it's not even pre- professional football. This is the this is the elitist league in the world when it and, and it the is. most <laughs> Yeah, and it is also very elitist. But it's it's the most financially solvent and secure league. On the planet, they get shitloads of money. How the fuck haven't they built a changing room? Like, it's a joke. Yeah. One thing I was thinking about, um, though, fucking the commentators kept moaning on about how, oh, you know, they've had a real tough time trying to convince people to move to Burnley to play for them. Well, then just build a training ground in London. Have your training ground sessions in London. Build a training ground in London. Have your players based in London. Travel up to
0: Burnley for the games. It's going to be a two-hour trip. What the fuck are you doing? Do you know what, Brad? I, sometimes I hear what you say and I go, nah, that's a really good shout. <laughs> because everyone always goes, oh, it's the allure of London. I'm like, just
1: fucking buy some land and build a training ground. Then your players could live in London. Yeah. It, it's what, shout, what, you know. What, because also, what difference does that make? If you're a Burnley fan, would you rather yeah, you, have your you team... you go to the games anyway, not matter. ...train at London... Um. <clears throat> And none of them live in Burnley. Because let's be realistic, none of them give a fuck about Burnley anyway. It's a job to these people, as much as it is anything else. As much as certain players love the club or whatever, it's a job first and foremost. And if they have the opportunity to live in London, they're going to take it. You know, you look at, um, who was it? I think it was Ryan Christie who went to Bournemouth and turned down Burnley for Bournemouth. It's because he's living on the South Coast. Yeah. I didn't know that. He turned down Burnley
0: to go to Bournemouth because one Bournemouth is a much nicer area. It's closer to London. It's on the coast. Oh, and then they had to sign a player from outside of the UK. Gutted, short sure. Sean Dyche. Gutted, short. Sure. But you know what I mean. Just have your. I'm sure if you were a Burnley fan, you would accept not
1: having any yeah. of your players live in Burnley or giving a fuck about Burnley and living in London if it meant you could get better
0: players. Oh, Brad, like, let's just start a football team. Come on, we've got all the ideas. Should we do it? <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm, re- I'm, really I'm generational, mate. Generational. <laughs> I'm glad you feel that way. Um, the <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought we started to lose a bit of control of the game. I, I, Burnley were fucking venger balling us once that Cornet guy came on. There were little one twos, two touch. How do you want it? I think that's what we miss,
1: though. I think that, uh, uh, what we miss as a squad at the moment is is relative when it comes to size and quality, but a Maxwell Cornet. You saw when he entered the pitch, the confidence that it gave the players around him to play with and how much he G'd up the fans and how m- kind of much of a just purely, and again, it's it's very hyperbolic, um, kind of how much of a soft factor impact he did have. No, it was not know. a soft
0: factor to come on and raise the tempo and quality of the game. He was great.
1: But as in, he didn't raise the tempo and quality of the game by like, Doing forty-yard carries and whipping sensational balls in every time, the confidence that it just gave his teammates just allowed them to grow into the game more and more and more. Yeah. I think that's what we miss a little as a squad is a is a maverick, is a is um, a superstar. Yeah, I think since Alexis Sanchez, we and it's it's a personality thing more than a quality thing. I think
0: um, it's going to be your boy, mate. It's going to be Ramster. I
1: don't. I also don't think it can be a goal. I think it has to yeah, be an attacker. Yeah, no, is it? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, you or, so, or like for example, Corne's a left back, but he spends most of his time up on the left wing. Um, it has to be somebody with, who is attacking with verve yeah. and is that to super get It's star. a game
0: winner. To get it's got to be a game winner. hundred yeah, percent,
1: absolutely. It's it's Alexis Sanchez. He was the last oh. one we had, and we need him. We need a player like that back so badly.
0: Brad, can we be a Bernie podcast and call ourselves Clarity, as in Claret? Please. That's good. That's so good. That's what I'd call myself. Uh, good Burnley game this week, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> Tarkovsky got his head on some stuff. Oh, his con- I think his contract's up at the end of the year.
0: No, a a him and um, me. Yeah. Although, uh, yes, Burnley started with Wenger wallers but I felt. That it was a good move. Like subs, I think Arteta got the subs right. Um Sambi mm-hmm. coming on for Smith Row was the right move. Started to control the game a bit more. Um I saw someone say Maitland Niles and Samby the most relaxed midfield ever. Yes. Yeah. Both, both with their socks, and you're sort of, you know. Oh, mate.
1: What was it? Cruyff made the miles at one love point. It. Yeah. T- I think it was it was that Cruyff turned out of like pressure from. And I was just like, what the fuck are you doing? They're great. But yeah, I do. And then Nuno Tavares, fucking last minute of oh, the game. Oh, you love it. Bursts forward, carries forward, and takes a weak foot shot from 40 yards. That man is on crack. My man has no control of his limbs. And I love it. What in the fucking <laughs> world gives other than like class A drugs in the last minute of a game.
0: Yeah. Genuinely gives
1: the like a player that
0: fucking impression that that yeah. was a oh, a weak footed shot as well. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Um, yeah, we, we sort of said at the beginning of the podcast, I just thought we lacked incisiveness and lacked decisiveness um, in the final third. Hmm. And ultimately that... Hello? I- oh. Sel, you all right? She right? What did you drop? <laughs> she wants to be on the podcast, man. She did this last week.
1: Did it break? Okay, good. It's all right.
0: Does she want to be on the podcast? Uh,
1: just, yeah. Sal, so, do you want to do you want to quickly come on the podcast and say hello? Yeah. It was just come and say hello. It was more of a sort of
0: okay, fine. She's coming. Okay. We'll ask her opinion on uh, Nuno Tavares. Just come and say hello on the podcast. Oh, hello. Hi, Celeste.
1: On the podcast. Did yeah. Actually, go on the podcast.
0: Yeah. Any opinions on Nuno Tavares?
1: everyone on the
0: podcast. Any Any opinions on Nuno Tavares?
1: <laughs> um, he dominates the game.
0: He actually does. That's good analysis. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great left centre back, and he dominates the game. She's um, not far uh, off. He really ha- He really mishandled the ball. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what?
1: It's eerily accurate how well you got. It's better that.
0: analysis than us, Brad. No, we'll be out of job, a job, mate.
1: Well done. Well done. Oh. How the fuck did she get that
0: close? We're not being patronising. Celeste Celeste Jenner has no interest in football, so it's not. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Yeah. As in zero interest <laughs> in football. Oh, woman. Well done. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, when uh, when I put the football on, I get ignored
0: for hours it's uh, it's hilarious okay let's uh, move quickly past that um, yeah uh, look we're lucky Burnley are a nothing attack inside, but I never felt under threat and mm-hmm. yeah look uh, game of two halves 45 in each 90 minutes on to the next one three points lads did well up the arsenal superlatives job done cliches job done bish bash bosh Uh, also fighting at the end. Not cool. Not cool. Uh, Stupid. Right. We'll see you after this.
1: News and news news and
0: Views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views. <gasps> but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, please. Give us a rating and you can support us on Patreon, where you get access to ad-free and filmed versions of the podcast for as little as £5 a month. You can see Bradley's brand new haircuts, very nice. For one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com, where you can... Buy me a coffee. The links are in the show description. At Octoguna, I love Tomiyasu. Under the radar, improves our right side massively. Tidy. Agreed. Uh, At Nkem slash Peter. What? Pepe couldn't even touch the ball. I don't understand how he plays anything with left foot and it's trash. Thanks for your clear and cogent analysis. Uh, also, we had a tweet in saying, "Hurry uh, up with a new episode." I want to hear you gushing about our beautiful Arsenal, and maybe even hear Bradley compliment Mikel Arteta. Can we have a compliment for okay. Mikel Arteta?
1: I think he got the setup perfect. I really do. Oh, Brett. I think it, No, I, I think it was. It th- I think it was a bang on job from Mikel this week.
0: Uh, so yeah, well done. Oh, he's gonna love that, mate. The whole Arteta family is currently. Sipping I am there. so happy. I'm so happy and so proud of my players. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's not a good, not a good impression uh, under 23s beat Chelsea 6-1 5-1 yeah hat trick from Six Mika one. BRS uh, we uh, had a player sent off mate Pear, <laughs> Pear is doing a great job with the academy mate. Uh, Tim Akinola looks great Charlie Bettino Hope plays on Wednesday very very exciting times for the academy Was it there
1: was another There was another one as well Balogun got two I, I think um sensation. Balling,
0: balling, balling. Ball ball Always good to beat Chelsea. I uh I may be nannying some kids. Um and they're Chelsea fans. I'm absolutely fuming, Brad. It's gonna change. Bless them. They're they're nice. American. And he said, uh, I like Grood. And I was like, what? He's like, I like Grood. I was like, who do you mean? And he meant Giroud <laughs> He's nine. I can't, but it was funny. Um uh Grood. 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 Oh, like Groo from fucking what's it called? Will me. Uh Groot from fucking Marvel. Yeah. Pikachu uh, Saki, Gabriel Martinelli, and Redacted remain in the race for the 2021 Golden Boy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carl Hein has signed a new deal. and we've taught uh we've confirmed our talks with Wilshire. So quite busy news, uh, busy week for news uh, in Arsenal. Um, Arteta's Q and A that came out. Now we should talk about this. So it came out, and I I really enjoyed it. I I thought it was Mikel at his most relaxed. I like him. I, I I I like that sort of style of content. I think it gives you an insight um, mm. to hold your horses. Um, but the <laughs> uh, I thought also there was some interesting insights. Like he. He feels comfortable. It's not a kind of guy that I feel like is on the ever edge of losing his job, uh, a bit trajectory, but whatever like I, I thought and I thought the questions were interesting, and I thought he answered them well now, there's been some weird kind of revelations about who asked the questions, and if you've missed this, this is a bit weird, so some of the accounts don't exist, also some yeah. of the accounts. Are for the social media managers at Arsenal, like, question the first question was about the Feyenoord thing about Reese Nelson saying, uh, the final manager saying his quotes being taken out of context that he, the Arsenal's training sessions weren't very intense and therefore that's why Reese Nelson's injured. And Arteta basically says, Well, actually, we've we have a company called Stats Sports or something and we've put in the most intensive, um, Premier League session, uh, put in the most intensive sessions we've ever done in the last two years, which I'm not sure is a good thing, but anyway, um. I don't have enough information on that to comment on it, really. But anyway, lots of kind of weirdness around it. What did you see? I think it's, it's just another confirmation
1: of PRFC at points. Like, I wish they were smarter and didn't... Because we have the ability to search for these accounts and Arsenal fans are fucking nutcases. Just say it's, so it's from are. Jeff or something. Like, Why, why are you doing that, <laughs> It's so stupid. Um, like, this is a question from because- Emily Brapples. As, I think it's one. because it was a, a Twitter Q&A so they had to come up with tweet like Twitter handles and stuff but then don't do a Twitter only Q&A but you- if you have specific wait, wait wait if you have specific questions you want to answer do a multi-platform Q&A and and just say you can email your questions in you can text your questions in because then that at least removes a certain amount of like obvious visibility it is it is PRFC in full flow. Like, for example, the person that you're talking about, uh, the R. Harrison account, is Rachel Harrison, the motion graphics designer at Arsenal. So weird. It's like they tried you know, to hide it's, it.
0: You know I mean? It's not even the social media manager, as I said earlier. It's like the motion graphics. It's so weird.
1: It's like having yeah, a groundsman. It's, it's like, so strange. It's, it's so, so strange. But like... Look, it's not the end. One thing that this does, though, is for me, it, it does. It, it's another confirmation of my suspicions that I've had for a while, that any negative press that comes out about the club, about Mikel, about Edu, um, there is a response in certain ways. You know, people make jokes about it, but you can time the athletics articles coming after a loss or things like that. Like...
0: I mean, they just released are, a column on a Monday, but yeah, I do, I, do, I take your point.
1: <laughs> but in, it's, it's very much like AAM Monday, how Arteta is still the man to take Arsenal forward. And,
0: I don't agree. Like that. No, we've talked about no, this. No, 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 but
1: there are, I know, but there are, that's one occasion, but sometimes they're just not as coherent, you know, in an athletic article, it says how, uh, at one point during the transfer window, at when window Edu was pushing to go for Neto instead of Ramsdale. But then in the Sky interview, I think it is, it comes out that it was Edu's idea to go Project Youth. Well, what's the truth? Did he want to sign a 32-year-old Brazilian goalkeeper or did he want to sign Youth for the project? Uh, because by that point, we were well into kind of Project Youth per se. So there's not a coherent strategy when it comes to PR and personal relations with the club because it's... And I think this is the issue. It's so obvious when things are PR and when things are spoon-fed to... Because you you hear it in the language used. I've seen so many tweets from burner accounts with the same language, like literally the same wording and verbiage. And I'm like, this is not just a coincidence anymore. There is obviously a strategy that whenever there is negative press against the club to come out in a positive light about certain things, whether that be through actual kind of media outlets or whether through social media. I just wish the club were smart enough to not do stupid shit like this so we didn't realise because it does just become another stick to beat the club with. And it gives me a distrust in Arsenal.
0: I take your point. I do take your point. I don't know how much I agree with like... Stuff like you know, like you know, one one newspaper is going to report one thing, another another newspaper is going to report another. The club can't really control that necessarily. That you know, there's going to be different sources within the club who are giving different bits of information. A player's agent might be contacted, and that they might be the source of information when they actually don't know. You know, there was a thing about Leno having an outburst and being promised that he'd be playing the North London derby. As I said, I literally, I, I don't know who's playing in North London derby, so how would someone know that? So. So I understand there's levels that actually can't be controlled, but however, things like this can. That's really stupid. Like, just say it was from Eric, or Jason, or Jason Mraz. No, because he's real. But like, you know, just just say it was from whoever. Like, what? what why? Why you? Like this is very because this this is is, this is just confirmation. It's as in like, but it just
1: confirms for a lot of people what they think they already believe, and it just creates a confirmation bias ideal within Arsenal fans. Sure, but and and that they will now start to distrust anything that comes out about the
0: club. Yeah, and that's why I think it's really elementary. Also, what I found interesting about the conversation, uh, the Q and A that Arteta had was he was very across the quotes. He was like, oh, no, no, what he said in the first interview was this. But in the second interview, he actually said this. I was like, oh, okay, so you're paying loads of attention to this. So you guys do, you, like it's getting to Mikel Arteta. It's not even the PR people. Like he's reading these comments. He's reading those those things. So if you're that aware... Of what's going on in, in the in the media, you know, see, I I I don't know how much players read into, you know, fan comments online, how much they read their Instagram comments. I suppose it just depends on each person. But we have Mikel Arteta at the at the helm, and I always think he's always aware of comments. Now he may be briefed by PR, sure, but if it's getting get to Mikel, then it matters. And if it matters to Mikel, and if it's important to him enough that he wants to bring it up, and presumably someone in the club is going, right, well, this should be our first primary statement is, you know, response to this thing about Arsenal's sessions not being intense. It clearly matters. Okay. And if it matters, then you've got to control it better. And it's the same thing we talked about we talked about before with William Saliba. It's the same thing we talked about before with, you know, very you know, the William Dubai thing last last season there's things in the club that I don't think are being controlled there's the element that I said you know before that, that can't be controlled you know you can't control every single news story that comes out but what you're saying the, the second part that you just um, that we interjected is right I think people start to lose trust and focus when even the clear messaging from the club the this is from us becomes diluted or the message is wrong or seems a bit forced or, or whatever whatever it may be I mean
1: it's fake as yeah. in they've used the fake they have used the fake Medium to get a point across, and I just, and I just
0: wish they it, would control it properly it,
1: and be careful about that, and just not do stupid shit like that. Just, just don't do it because it, it. Whether for me, I, I've thought this for a while, and I think that it is true to some degree that when there is negative things going on about Arsenal, when there's murmurs of discontent, there are stories that are fed and released about you know, how good a job Edu's doing or how good a job Mikel's doing or whatever, right? All this does for me is confirm that. Now, any article that I think could be a PRFC article, now to me, seems more likely to be a PRFC yeah, article. Yeah, yeah. It's conf- Because it's- I have actual confirmation that they do stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. And also, I'm aware of that bias. So I'm I'm not going to think every single article but there are people who won't be aware of that and that will have seen that and go, well, well, how many of the other articles were fake? And yeah. This isn't true and this isn't true. It creates distrust in the people at the top and that is not healthy for the football club. They've, no- For example, I'm still not back on board with the project. I'm still very much, this is game by game basis. It's two results against, against teams we should have beaten. Tottenham is the real test. This-
0: they are shit though
1: they are shit fucking dross but this already puts the club at a level of distrust that I that it puts it put they're putting themselves at a disadvantage with a massive group of the fans by doing stuff like this yeah because if they don't trust you and then you're not doing your job well they'll just be like get rid of them
0: yeah, no, I, I do. I do agree, and it, it doesn't help fan sentiment. And, and someone at the club needs to, needs to really take hold of these things. And when negative things come out, you know, the Ainsley, like the Ainsley Minternells thing, the thing that happened in the summer, like that's a symptom of a club that does not have a handle on its PR. And oh, we need yeah. to look at that. We need to look at that. Uh, okay, Brad. Do you want a depressing stat? Okay, mate. Do what? Do you want a depressing stat? Oh, go on. The highest a team has ever finished after losing their first three games in the Premier League is seventh. seventh. Aston Villa 1997-98. Well look Mikel's broken a lot of records most of them bad but they're made to be broken so we move. Rules are made to be broken. Can't tame me. I'm a wild woman. Get on my chin on a Saturday night. Okay I need to, we need to end this podcast. We've just got time Brad for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Gabriel, so sexy, in uh, Oh, he is, mate. Where did Arsenal sign Eduardo da Silva from? Uh, it was, wasn't it Dinamo Zagreb? Because it was he, Shakhtar Donetsk. Was it, it was Shakhtar?
1: Oh, oh I, no. Because um, he was Croatian, but Brazilian or something, which was weird because he had dual heritage. So he played
0: for Croatia. Talking about, you're talking so about Brazil. him like he's not real or like he sort of passed away. I think he's still alive. He, what, he I, mean, is.
1: I feel like he, he did pass away for Arsenal with that leg break.
0: Oh, that was sad. <laughs> uh, question for next week is, when did Pascal Saigan play for oh, Arsenal? Okay. What years? So, isn't this 1996 to 1998, for example? What years did Pascal Saigan play for Arsenal? Too many. It wasn't that bad, actually. It was all right. It was. I mean, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great, but he was fine. Uh, pleasure, Brad. I'm looking forward to Wednesday. Oh, mate, I can't wait. You're gonna make the sign. Yeah. Uh, well, we were talking before this. Um,
1: I I found out because I did a little go the uh, the gloves that Aaron Ramsdale wore 150 or 60 great British pounds. Yeah, mate,
0: you just, you just really struggled through that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, it angers me so much the amount of like. Uh, it's so elitist. How the fuck are you meant to be able to afford that to play Sunday League? Well, why
0: not just ask daddy for money?
1: Well, yeah, I think I'm going to have to um, make a sign and ask Aaron Ramsdale for his glass. He's, he's going to be the daddy.
0: <laughs> he's going to be the daddy. <laughs> the daddy. This podcast has got weird. Uh, yeah, it's gone fucking strange. Listen, we'll get Celeste on next week for a, a few more takes, so a few more hot takes. Hey that hot takes episode was good I really enjoyed it We're going to do some more of that yeah, We're mate. also going to do more um, We're going to do some What are we doing? We're doing a player profile soon I want to dive into like, like You know It's like, like Granite Xhaka Like Who are these people play, no, playing no, no,
1: Playing no. for That is the one I can't I can't I've had five years of Granite Xhaka I can't take it anymore Any any sort of deep or thorough analysis Of Granite Xhaka will be after he's long dead
0: Wow Like Eduardo De Silva You, like you callous Silva. man um yeah, player profiles, special episodes, guests and stuff. Uh it's all all to come. We want to do some mailbag stuff. We could do a Q&A, Brad, where it's like question from at A money pound. How come you guys are so great? Oh <laughs> <A> cash dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can do PR diff knock FC. Uh <laughs> Brad, it's always a pleasure. Always, mate. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to us ramble. Uh, do all the stuff. Hit the subscribe. Give us a review. Do follow it. us on Twitter. Just come, do on, it. come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come oh, on. The lads. Uh, I still want to call us the Diff Knockers, but it's it's probably inappropriate, isn't it? Right. Pleasure as always. Thanks as always for listening. Keep it different Knock. And we will see you later. Peace. And carrots. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to The Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at diffnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks.